Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I, I can't believe this is a thing. But it's real. And it might be happening. And so we got to talk about it. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Brad Kloppenstein from the Greater Lawrence Chamber of Commerce. Hello, Rob. Hashtag why I love Lawrence. There you go. That's three. Does that fulfill your contract? I think you so. And I got to talk about Winterfest, which is going to be every weekend between Thanksgiving and Christmas Perfect. at Civic Plaza. And, Do they meet Lawrence. you? Is there like a Brad Kloppenstein meet and greet as a part of Winterfest in uh, I Lawrence? Actually, I get to MC two of the nights of Winterfest. Oh. So I get to introduce the band, talk about the Lawrence Chamber a little bit. It's wild. And Kevin's Uno Gold big time They you. did big time They me. turned you down. Scared of the cold. Yeah. Because um, I was really excited. I thought I'd maybe arrange some good publicity for Kevin. And then you were like, yeah, Kevin turned me down. Yeah. Like, That's a, in Kevin's defense, he was not the only one. <laughs> There's a long list of bands who said, no, I don't want to be outside on December 23rd. Okay, so I saw something on the internet, and you know if it's on the internet, it must be true. Absolutely, it's real. But you have confirmed to me that this is a factual thing, so we can talk about it. There is an Abdul Hakim Shabazz for Indianapolis Mayor Facebook page. Yes, Abdul, the number four Indy, it exists. If you go on Facebook, I have shared it uh, on my Facebook page. I did the same. If you just put Abdul, the number four Indy, you will see an official Facebook page. And he is aware that this thing exists? He is aware. In fact, I believe he is an admin on the page. So let's be clear. Abdul has not filed any paperwork yet. He is not. But and he, I, that is, I believe, forthcoming with an exploratory committee to where people could give donations. No, he would not be officially a candidate for mayor of Indianapolis. Correct. But he would be pondering and the ability to raise money for potentially running for the mayor of Indianapolis. Correct. So the Abdul for Indy webpage, I know, has at least been reserved. I'm not sure if it's been populated with anything. I think that right now, Abdul is just trying to gauge interest on whether or not people would like to see him run for mayor. Okay, so we can't really have this conversation with him because he's a self-aggrandizing, bloviating uh, Abdul, and that's why we love him. And we have to give him plausible deniability. <laughs> um but we can have this conversation. Absolutely. Okay. So I would say you and I are very good friends with Abdul. Is that fair to say? Correct. We are probably two of his 300 closest friends. <laughs> but this is, so this is not an unbiased conversation we're having. And I'll preface it by saying, and I think I can speak for you in this. If Abdul did pull the trigger, we're all in on supporting Abdul running for mayor. Oh, no doubt about so it. So you're not getting an unbiased observation here. We're good friends with Abdul. We would totally support him. I will... Having said all that, ask you this question, and I've asked him this question. Given the election results from this, not this most recent Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, in which Cindy Carrasco, who was about as good of a Republican candidate as you could possibly have, getting boat raced by Ryan Mears in the prosecutor's race, who was about as bad of a Democrat candidate as you could possibly have, why would Abdul be open to subjecting himself to this? I think, one, Abdul is a known entity in this city. Oh, that uh, could Indiana. be good and bad. Yeah. And so, Abdul is known. Uh, we talked about it in the previous hour. The property tax bills are going to be coming due, and this goes back to 20 years ago or so when Greg Ballard was first elected. Greg Ballard was a nothing. Nobody had ever heard of him. Uh, and he was the only he was only ahead in the polls one day. 
but it was election day but but it was it was the property tax issue that really kind of thrust him to the front in that race we're going to have the same scenario line up this year um obviously there's a crime problem in indianapolis and i think abdul would be pretty tough on crime and he would he would be pretty good at holding the current administration accountable okay so my question to you on the property tax issue which i agree and we did a whole segment on it earlier that this is very similar to uh 2008 in which uh there was a it ended up well ballard was elected before 2008 but they the issue ultimately resulted in property tax caps becoming the law of the state of indiana and then later became in the indiana constitution which school corporations across the state no offense your wife's a fabulous public school teacher completely ignore and abuse all the time with these referendums but the point is the mood was very similar of that 0607 correct period which led to the property tax caps of 2008 however if people dying left and right in the street does not motivate someone to vote Republican, like you could literally be next because the violence in this city knows no boundaries. It has nothing off limits. You could be an innocent victim at any time. It's been proven time and again. W- would property taxes motivate people to do it if sometimes doesn't? The, the, the other side of that question is, and obviously there's going to be a contested Democratic primary, so you've got State Rep Robin Shackleford, who's going to be running against um, Joe Hogsett. Yes. So, term, do, Joe, Joe Hogsett, who supports term limits, but apparparently two terms is not right, the limits he right. supports. So for Abdul, I think he would fare better running against Joe Hogsett, because Hogsett yes. has a track record. Obviously, there is a difference just looking at the two. There's a difference in how they present themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like what you did there. There's a difference between looking at the two. I see what you yes, did there. Yes, exactly. It's, so it's, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's still an uphill climb because the numbers are the numbers. Right. And this is at best a 60-40 Democrat county, again, you know, with the Republicans at 40. Republicans might only be at 35%. So. I, th- I think, I think I want to see it, but I can't picture it. Because for years, he's been the guy who's just commentated. Right. He's been the pundit. Right. And I will tell you, as someone who has been both an elected official and a pundit, talking about other people is way more fun than being talked about. And I'm not sure I can picture him not being able to, because let's face it, there are, we talked about this earlier with Trump. There are certain things we expect from CEOs, the, you know, the, the executive branch of any form of government. And one of the things we kind of love about Abdul is his willingness to say all the things. Would that change or would he just keep saying all the things? I would hope that this would be a forum for him to say all the things that need to be said, ask the questions that need to be asked. You know which questions I'm talking about. Yes. And it, yeah, if Abdul changed his persona, it will never work. If he tries to be the straight man, that it's not going to happen. But if Abdul conjures his best Abdul yeah. and goes out there and just tries to talk people into corners and run circles around them, he might have a shot. Okay, so, and then we'll, we'll get to a break because we've got some great Marjorie Taylor Greene audio about Ukraine we've got to play. If he runs... Let's face it, he would probably be the Republicans' best hope because, as Cindy Carrasco's election proved, the Republican Party in Marion County is basically a bunch of zeros at this point with no chance to win anything. There's no other names that I've heard even considering it. So, I mean, the Republicans, they better be begging him to run because I don't think they have any other options. All right. So, there is a Facebook page. Yep. Abdul for Indy. Number four. Let's see what happens. I 
I want it to be a thing. I just can't picture it being a thing. Maybe it'll be a thing. All right. Brad Kloppenstein in for Casey. It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I guess Brad is telling me as the admin of the Abdul for Mayor Facebook page is flooding in with uh, likes. There we go. Now that my mic's on, yes, yes, there were several, several likes that came in during that previous break. Yeah, Abdul, what is it, Abdul for Indy? Abdul for Indy. Okay, there, Brad and several other people are trying to uh, con Abdul into running for, for Facebook. Imagine how much radio, and you can find it on Facebook. Imagine how much radio fodder this will provide oh, over yes. the next year. Absolutely, that's why we're here. Look, that's why I'm, I'm for a variety of reasons, but whether... Th- this is this was fascinating because we had this conversation I did with one of my bosses before the election. Like, what will we talk about when the election ends? Because obviously our radio station was heavily election driven, and I think there was a concern like, well, people are going to kind of check out of politics. And I thought initially, I thought, yeah, that's probably right. And then the more I thought about it, I thought people in Indiana will arguably be more engaged in politics than ever because there's so much local politics. I mean, let's face it. Yes, there was a U.S. Senate race. Tom McDermott was a goof, and there was no chance he was ever going to beat Todd Young, and Cineac didn't light anybody on fire. So it was very obvious Todd Young was going to win. It was just by how much. The Secretary of State's race, yes, Diego Morales was his own little fodder because of all the egregious things he'd done and the mistakes he's made. But Destiny Wells wasn't, again, someone that you said, wow, that's a... That's a super viable candidate that can really just appeal to the masses. And it was pretty obvious Diego was probably going to win, even though it was probably going to be much closer. There are a whole bunch of interesting things going on in Indiana. Probably within the next month, they will start going on. Look what's going on. You've got municipal elections all over central Indiana. So you've got Indianapolis mayor's race. Lawrence, Carmel are all going to have new mayors. Um, Those are going to take up a lot of time. We've got the budget session, the long session over at the legislature. Uh, I'm sure you will be commenting on how much money they are blowing and how little tax cuts they're talking about. And then think about think about the so Braun's Braun indeed does run for governor like everybody thinks he's going to be. Now you've got a super interesting governor's race with probably four or five very viable people running for governor that will open a U, up a U.S. Senate seat. I hope it is Victoria Sparks against Jim Banks because that would be awesome. And I I think the Banks thing is more likely than ever because he just got done dirty by the Republicans running for whip. Then that opens up if Sparks runs the fifth congressional seat, which means our good buddy Micah Beckwith could be running for Congress. I think, and then you got Trump DeSantis. Who knows if Biden's going to run again? Biden could get challenged even if he runs again. There's all sorts of political stuff going on. You know, one of the best times of the year, December, is fantastic for sports fans because you've got NFL playoff races. You've got uh, NCAA football that's happening. NCAA basketball is happening. Really, from now through the Super Bowl, this is a sports fan's dream. The next year is going to be a political junkie's dream because of all the maneuvering that's going to be going on. One thing we should all be able to agree on by this point is whether you're Democrat, Republican, for Trump, DeSantis, Biden, Abdul, whoever is that there are major issues now with what's going on with Ukraine. Should we all agree that as Americans, there are a whole bunch of things that we should now have very serious questions with in regards to Ukraine? Yeah. I mean, clearly it's a proxy war. 
And the bigger thing now is we've spent a gajillion dollars over there, and our government has not given us any update on how that money has actually been spent, what the return for the money is, and more importantly, when does it stop? Because it seems like we're never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never going to stop just blank, blindly giving money to Ukraine. And now it looks like money sent to Ukraine could have been a money laundering scheme through this FTX lunatic to give money to Democrats and Democrat-related causes. What? They, they didn't they didn't keep keep good track of the money. I'm shocked so, by this, Rob. So I had so much faith in government until this moment. I hope the next Congress, these Republicans, when they come in there, are going to just cut off the money supply to Ukraine until we start getting these questions answered. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, representative from Georgia, she's a little wild and wacky sometimes, but she had a press conference speech yesterday where she went off on Ukraine, and we're going to play you some audio from this. First of all, she blasted the amount of money we send to Ukraine to protect their border while doing absolutely nothing to protect our own. We're ignoring the, the dangers happening at our border and the national security crisis that's happening in our country while we are completely protecting another country's border and also waging a proxy war with Russia. We had five million people cross our border illegally since Joe Biden took office. And let's compare that to how many Russians have invaded Ukraine. 82,000 Russians have invaded Ukraine. I think the American people and the taxpayers of this country deserve to know why the Biden administration and this Congress is so interested in funding the protection of Ukraine's border and not the protection of our border. That's a very good question. She also then went on to blast the amount of money going to the actual budget of Ukraine, the actual amount of money that the U.S. sends Ukraine that is relative to their overall budget. By the way, we're funding their budget, too. Did you know that? We're funding Ukraine's budget with with $11.8 billion is going to assistance, including for direct budget support. The question is, is Ukraine now the 51st state of the United States of America? And what position does Zelensky have in our government? This is outrageous. And the American people deserve answers. She makes a good point there because people think, well, we're just sending them all this money and it's going to this war. We have you and me right now could not tell you most people, probably even including Biden himself, could not tell you where the money actually goes. No, no, it's it's just a blank check. We have sent them tens of billions of dollars and we have no idea where the money is going. And again, as we said yesterday, it's not like we're sending it to some country who we have this incredibly long tie with that has always been our pal, whether it's Britain, you know, France has always run the other way, but at least they've run towards us, you know, whoever, we are sending it to a country that doesn't have a long history, one of existence period in its current fashion, but that that period of existence has not been as a friend of the United States. No, no. Victoria Sparts, she was running ads talking about how horrible Ukraine was, and suddenly this flies in the face of everything we've known about Ukraine on being a Russian ally, only because they were invaded by Russia, and we're like, oh, we hate Russia more. Here's our opportunity to stick it to them. And think about this. We have no money in this country. We are $31 plus trillion in debt. Every dollar we spend is 
uh, is printed money above the revenue we bring in, which we spend above the revenue we bring in every single year because that's what our government does. They participate in legalized vote buying. And so every dollar we print drives inflation higher. So you are paying more for everything in part because we send tens of billions of dollars to a country who we have no idea what they're doing with the money. And Brad, without using the term money laundering, I'm going to describe a scenario here for you. And you tell me what's going on without using the term money laundering, where we send money to a country, they give the money to someone else, and then someone else donates tens of millions of dollars to Democrats and Democrat-related causes. Without using the term money laundering. Gifting, drug dealing. <laughs> um, let's see... Um, yeah, that's okay. my point exactly. So finally, Marjorie Taylor Greene proposes, and it's amazing, when you've spent tens of billions of dollars, you even have to propose this. You would think it would be common sense, but this is how inept and awful and corrupt our federal government is, proposing an audit of where the money from Ukraine has gone and what we're getting in return. Well, they have 14 days to decide what they're going to do with it. Those, those, are, those are days we're in session. And then, if they make no decision, I can force this resolution to the House floor for a vote. And guess what Congress gets to decide? If the committees say they want nothing to do with it and refuse to tell the American taxpayers and the people of this country that they will not show transparency and provide all of the information that I'm demanding and my, my, my colleagues here are demanding, and we're asking for everything to do with military, civilian, and financial aid. We want it all. If they refuse to be transparent, then I'll be pushing this to the floor for a vote. And then if Congress votes this down, guess what the message will be to the American people? It will be, you don't get to find out what's happening with your money. They'll be telling the American people no. And I think that is a very bad message to tell the American people. But I'm not sure the American people care anymore, Brad. I mean, when no. we look at the most recent election, how could things be any worse in this country given all the advantages we have than what Joe Biden and the Democrats have done? And in many states, people said, yeah, we're fine with that. What, I don't think people care about their money anymore, many of them anyway. No, no. It, people only care when it truly starts yeah. to hurt, when they're suddenly going hungry, if somebody's taking their home, that's when people care. Right now, people are just mildly comfortable. And they don't know how much better it could be and how much more money they would have if we weren't doing all these other things. Yeah, I, I made an egregious mistake this past year because I thought, you know, and I'm no fan of the cheerleader for the Republican Party, but I thought, even though the Republicans offer nothing, People would be so outraged over what has happened in this country the past years. By default, they would vote for the Republican, and that is not the case. So she should be right. It should be common sense, but I'm not sure we care anymore. All right, uh, Brad Klopenstein in for Casey. When we come back, Dick Morris, he says Ron DeSantis is not even going to run for president in 2024, much less run against President Trump. We'll play you the audio coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hot take. Hot take, Brad Kloppenstein. This is the best Pearl Jam song. 
This is the mm. best Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder have ever offered. No. Co- cover of Alaska. Wrong. Wrong. I said Rob it was a Diggle. hot take. <laughs> People are losing their minds yes. now yelling at their radio. Good job, Kevin. 93 WIBC. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Brad Kloppenstein from the Greater Lawrence Chamber of Commerce and for Casey today. We've got a host of audio to get here, a, a grab bag, but they're all uh, very worth playing. And we'll start with, so Dick Morris, longtime Clintonista, and then quickly, magically, when there was more money to be made, switched over to a conservative slash Trump commentator. I can respect that. Uh, yeah, gun for hire, right? Yes. But the guy does know how things operate, and while you got to take everything he says with a grain of salt, and many times he'll just say things to get a reaction or a rise, or viewers, or whatever... He did say he doesn't, not only does he think DeSantis won't beat Trump in 2024, he doesn't think DeSantis is even going to run in 2024. Listen. Would there be a Trump-DeSantis race, and in your opinion, who would win that primary? Well, I don't think it'll come to that. I think DeSantis will uh, decide to prolong his political career and not end it in 24, but instead run in 28 and win. Um, the poll that uh, I think Leonard, your correspondent there, quoted uh, is not really the definitive one. The best one is one that lists all the candidates and shows Trump ahead by 47-33 ahead of DeSantis. And that's just registered Republicans. When you drill down to likely voters, his lead is even larger. Uh, so DeSantis faces a choice between um, a step that would destroy him politically and one that would preserve him to fight again in the future. I couldn't disagree with him more on this. And I know he says things to get a reaction out of people. Look, I heard somebody say this the other day, and they're absolutely right. Chris Christie is the best example of why you must absolutely strike why the iron is hot. Because remember in 2012, everybody wanted Christie to run yep. against Obama. He was the, you know, the the governor. He had done all sorts of things in New Jersey related to public education and reforms and school choice. And he was the tough talker. And everybody said, you got to run. He didn't run. Everybody thought after he didn't run in 2012 because he was the keynote speaker at the Republican convention that year, hey, it's going to be Christie's party. He wasn't even in the conversation by the time 2016 rolled around. Four years is, in this case, it'd be six years, is a lifetime forever. It's nine lifetimes in politics. DeSantis has to run now because he will never be more viable or popular than he is right now. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, look at all the people who have passed saying, oh, maybe I'll think about this in four years, and you never hear from them again. You're right. Your window of opportunity is very short. You don't know how the world's going to turn. Um, and you, and you, you, know, you need to do it. You know this is someone who has been a statewide public office candidate, that politics and elections are about momentum and donald trump yes is ahead of desantis in every poll i don't think anybody disputes that well i mean almost every poll but he's way less ahead than he was a year ago he's way less ahead than he was six months ago he's way less ahead than he was three weeks ago the momentum in terms of where people are going and when you're talking about something that is two years away i'd way rather be ron DeSantis than donald trump right now oh absolutely yeah no now is his opportunity rarely in politics can you sit back and wait for people to come to you to beg you to run you have to seize the opportunity when it presents itself 
Uh, more audio, and this is a grab bag of audio because it's so much, and Kevin spent all this time preparing this audio, and we want to get through it. Uh, so Sheila Jackson Lee, U.S. representative, you would throw her in the radical left-wing lunatic uh, bin of the Democrat Party, which is more and more. There are more and more people in that bin by the day. She, uh, she had herself a day. I think she was on the floor for the U.S. House of Representatives. And Brad, you, listen to this. She says reparations could have saved black people from dying from COVID. Stands on the basis of facts. There is no doubt that we have been impacted, that DNA in the trans, uh, the trajectory of slavery to today. For example, at COVID, uh, black African-Americans got COVID at a rate nearly one and a half times higher than that of white people, or hospitalized at a rate nearly four times higher and three times likely to die. COVID hit us very desperately. Interestingly, a recent peer-reviewed study from Harvard Medical School, Harvard Medical School, suggests that reparations for African Americans could have cut COVID-19 transmission and infection rates both among blacks and the population at large. Reparations are curative. They're not punishment. The analysis continued to look at data uh, throughout the nation. So, Brad, this woman is one of the four, 535 most powerful people in the country, and she is openly saying that money, the reparations, could have stopped COVID. She, the mask didn't she, work, she, but the reparations was, would have. She was making a point and doing a fairly good job of it right up until she said that. I'm like, oh, too far. And if you heard somebody in the background going, uh, you need to go, you need to go. Somebody was pulling her away from the mic. Saying, nope, nope, nope. You went too far. Ma'am, we've had enough here. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're now talking crazy. We got to go. And look, different ethnicities, different people with different DNA, different hereditary are affected differently by different things. It has nothing to do with slavery or reparations or any of that. We are different. Our makeups are different. Different things impact every single human being differently. She did not make the case for how reparations would have made COVID any different. And I I agree with you, Rob, that yes, it, it, it is unfortunate. Some people are more predisposed to things. And in the case of COVID, I, I don't know why it is. I mean, it could have been me. It could have been you. It was certainly some some people's, but it, it was certainly not intentional. And then to bring that back around, uh, like, wait, 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 where did this come from? Uh, one other from our grab bag. I saw this yesterday, and Jeffrey Dahmer's dad, who I didn't even know was still alive, um, he has a very bad hair dye job because I remember seeing an interview with him years ago and his hair was, I think, just like white and now it's red. But that beside the point, gave an interview with Dr. Phil. And I want to preface by saying that I can't imagine how painful it is to go through a large period of your life knowing that your child was an absolute monster and maniac who inflicted the harm and suffering that Jeffrey Dahmer did. I, I want to start by saying this, but he told Dr. Phil, and this is probably in the ultimate of the well-duh categories, that he missed some red flags. Do you think in retrospect that there were red flags, there were warning signs that you missed? There definitely were warning signs that I missed, but I didn't believe it or it's hard to believe 
It really is. I'll give you one example. When he was about somewhere in the 11, 12 to 14 age range, he roamed around the country roads where we lived and gathered on his bike with big plastic bags the remains of various animals, foxes, you know, do uh, small dogs, uh, animals that had been killed on the road and took them back home. And ours was extremely heavily wooded lot, a very rough terrain where he did, as I found out later at the time of his so-called insanity trial, found out for the first time there that he did this and he kept these animals and felt them, uh, explored them, their insides, their entrails and uh, terrible things like that. Although I've had friends who have told me they've done the same sort of thing, but that would have been a red flag. Hey, hey, look, here's the deal. If you know of anyone who enjoys exploring the insides of animals, I would say that is probably a see something, say something moment to someone. So, now, did you watch the miniseries? No. Netflix? No. Because why would I do that to myself, Brad? I, I, now, my wife watched it start why? to finish. I, I watched Why some did of she the, do that? I, I don't know. Is that a red flag? Kevin, you started to watch it, didn't you? Yeah, I had to turn it off. I mean, you made it like three minutes into the thing or something, right? Yeah, I think I got to the part where he no, actually... No, 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 no. No, public airwaves, kids could be listening. The But you didn't make it very far, right? No, not very far. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would your... She's very lovely. Why would she do that? She, uh, makes me look better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Look, so, now some of the things... Yeah, you, you think the dad might have missed some red flags, although the miniseries kind of portrayed the dad as having some of those tendencies on his own. So to the dad, some of that stuff might have been like, oh, not well, he, that weird. I do it. He did say that he had friends that had explored the insides of animals. Yeah. Yes. Like, like that. He had heard of people doing that before. Who does that? I, weirdos. If, if you it's, know, if you have or you know someone who has ever, quote, explored the insides of animals, call the hotline 317-684-8444. And I'm not talking about, like, you hunt and you've got to, you know, prepare the animal after. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about for fun, you explore the insides of dead animals. The fascinating thing that I found on Dahmer on me watching, coming in and out of this miniseries was he stopped the killing for a long period yes. of time when he was sleeping with a mannequin, and then when his grandmother threw away the mannequin, it fired back up again. Well, you know, and that's also interesting because, like, BTK was the same way. The BTK killer went years and years and years and didn't kill. And so uh, it, these people's minds are obviously incredibly sick and twisted. And if you could crack some sort of code in there, maybe you could prevent a lot of damage. But I'm not sure there is a code to crack because— it, there's people who study this stuff and, and obviously know way more about it than I do, but I think they're all their sort of own unique, sick, twisted, terrible, awful. And uh, again, if you know someone who's exploring animals, see something, might be worth saying something. Yeah. The smell of rotting flesh emanating from a bedroom or an apartment might be a red flag, and that was overlooked time and time again. Oh, more. Another grab bag of audio from uh, some of our most distinguished citizens in this country. When we return, it's Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Don't know much about you. 
All right, more from our audio grab bag as we wrap up our show today. It's Kendall and Casey show. Brad Kloppenstein in for Casey. So Ron Paul, who, by the way, this is very cool. You you had dinner with Ron Paul. I had dinner with Ron Paul. I think it was 2002. Oh, boy, that was early. That was way before he was, uh, you know, kind of a national super. Well, I think people forget Ron figure. Paul was the libertarian candidate for president That's right. in 1988. That's right. So, which I'm Imagine had he had the Ron Paul of 1988 been able to run in 2016. Oh, yeah. This could have been a different world. Well, I think Ron Paul, and I've said this, I mean, Ron Paul is probably on my Mount Rushmore of people who kind of inspired me to the, I don't know if you'd call it a mixture between thinking of conservatism and libertarianism that I have today, but I would definitely put him up there. And um, he still has a a kind of a video podcast that he does, even though he's not in Congress anymore. And he made a great point on a recent episode where he talks about how quickly the Republican Party as a collective went from campaigning on limited accountable government to basically today, they stand for absolutely nothing. And now they paid a price for it at the polls. Many Republican candidates in 2010 appealed to Tea Party voters by not just promising to repair Obamacare. They also promised to work to restore limited, constitutional, fiscally responsible government in all areas. In contrast, in 2022, the average Republican candidate offered little in the way of a substantive agenda. In fact, few Republicans called for reversing President Biden's massive spending increases, much less for restoring the federal government to its constitutional limitations. Despite the controversy over new critical race theory and transgender-related policies in government schools, there has not been a renewed push to shut down the Department of Education. Many Republican candidates in the 2022 midterm election also failed to make an issue out of their Democratic opponent's support for mask and vaccine mandates and other instances of COVID tyranny. Those who did oppose the COVID tyranny, such as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and my son Rand Paul, won landslide victories. The Tea Party's success in forcing the Republican Party to focus on a more pro-liberty, limited government agenda was short-lived. He's right. The Republican Party, we said this all in the lead-up to the election. If you stop somebody on the street and said, if you elect Republicans, they will... There was no... They couldn't tell you. No, there was nothing after that. The Republicans are no longer the party of Reagan. No, there was no contract with America. There was no, even like Trump did in 2016, hey, we're going to put the working man back in charge. There was nothing. And they just ran against Joe Biden, and it didn't work because the Republicans are the party of big government. There is... There is no difference in terms of how they view the size and scope of government between Republicans and Democrats anymore. They just want the money to go to different places. If they believed in small, limited government, they have super majorities in the Indiana House and Senate and the governor's office. They could re- they could push anything through they wanted. They could say, we're going to cap spending. I used to say we need to reduce spending anymore. I'm just saying, keep it steady. Don't spend anymore. But they don't even have that agenda. And you look at the candidates that lost in these swing states, and they stood for something in the sense of like, I mean, 
Carrie Lake is a fighter. I guess you could say Blake Masters is a fighter. But what did they really propose to make people's lives better? You want to litigate the 2020 election? Okay, I guess you're a fighter on that. But you, you didn't spell out how you were going to make government be better and more efficient. You didn't spell out how the better, more efficient government was going to make people's lives better. You didn't spell out how those things were in the best voting interest of the people. And he's right. The candidates who did and did that effectively not only won, they won overwhelmingly. For the, it amazes me the people that die on the Trump Hill because Trump is not a conservative. No. Trump's not for limited government. He's not for accountable government. He's a fighter. He's a fighter for things that benefit Trump. But he is not about fighting for a better, more limited government. He likes big government because that is what the Republican Party is. Now, they are the party of big government. All right, before we go, Tucker Carlson had an excellent tribute to Nancy Pelosi bidding farewell last night. Well, obviously, this moment calls for a Pelosi tribute. We could have gone hours. We have that much tape, but we got it down to just a few moments here. Just a few of her greatest hits. To be clear, you're not taking any arrows out of your quiver. You're not ruling anything out. Good morning. Sunday morning. And as a Catholic, I resent your using the word hate in a sentence that addresses me. I don't hate anyone. I was raised in a way that is full, a heart full of love and always prayed for the president. With all due respect, and you know we've known each other a long time, you really don't know what you're talking about. Just when you think you've seen it all, the children will pay for the president's wall. He comes in with doggy do on his shoes, and everybody who works with him has that on their shoes, too, for a very long time to come. <laughs> Ireland's sorrow and pain is now the Ukraine, and St. Patrick's name is now Zelensky. All right. We got to get ready to go, but it goes on and on and on and on. It's amazing with leaders like that, Brad, the country's in the shape it's in today. I, I thought for sure we'd have some farewell music for her. Brad, thank you. Great job today. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate Enjoy it. being here. Kevin, great job as always. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Stick around. Tony Katz coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. And I know that if you love